Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the Play by Play podcast. Uh, I'm your host DC and our guest today is more other than the one and only Devin Smith, the mind behind a variety of cr- creative projects such as Coin Locker Kid, Say the Key, most recently Mio Myorama. Whoa, is that how you pronounce whoa, it? Whoa, sorry. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do I pronounce it? Sorry. I don't sorry. Know. <laughs> it's sort of intentionally supposed to kind of like fuck with you. It's Mio Miriorama. Okay. Yeah. I can pronounce I can pronounce Sailor Key because um I can speak a little bit of French, but like like all the anytime I hear someone talk about like any of your projects at Sailor Key, everyone's like Kessler Key or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's is good. That's that good old cesspit. I would have gotten it wrong initially if I didn't know the phrase say la vie, which I just assumed it was the same. So thankfully I didn't get it wrong at first. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sort of my habit of like trying to pick these kind of like cheesy sort of names that are kind of profound but kind of cheesy. You gotta find a good balance, you know. Say like he's pretty bad, but uh. <laughs> but isn't it French for uh, "this is the key"? Well, it's fucked up because the key's just in, in English, so <laughs> that's that's what that's what makes it particularly like. Uh, Cheese Wait, yeah. So, or a bad offender. If Spanglish, if Spanglish is Spanish and English is Frenchlish, like French and English, is that what that is? Oh, that's what's we'll up. Call it Frenchlish. Frenchlish for French, now. Frenchlish. Yeah. So it's Frenchlish yeah. for this. For this is the key, and then that's a also. But yeah, when it goes, it starts getting deeper though, in the sense because it's like, well, then it sounds like C L K, so the Coin Locker Kid acronym. Like it just sounds like that. Say la key. It's the mm. same syllables in the uh, 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 word structure or the sound structure. But it's... <laughs> yeah, and also not to forget, come look with me as well. I forgot that. I was like, no, oh shit, I f- mm. forgot come everybody, look Don't me. worry, everybody forgets come look with me. It's the most important though. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone just forgets it. Like, y- your project says come look with me are just amazing as well, but like, fucking everyone just goes like, oh yeah, uh, super flat, su- uh, summon it down, trauma bull, oh yeah. But, like, everyone else. No, you gotta remember like, Jonah the Starks as well. You gotta remember yeah, that. And Metamorph. Too. And Meshamorph mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 Metamorph. You say Metamorph like it's a separate artist. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> No, it says no, that like minim- Superfly was, you know, the one that blew up on, I don't know, like TikTok and whatever. So, rap, rap, top. Yeah. 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 Strong the Vellum, Sam and the Doubt, and the other one, Superfly. It's not really a rap record, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like he a raps rap record. For a couple songs. He raps for two songs or so. We, we want rap. We want rap. <laughs> yeah um okay so i guess let's start with uh the interview dc you already gave us the introduction as to who exactly devin smith aka all those aliases you listed off is so i think let's start at the beginning so how exactly did your musical journey begin uh was coin locker kid the first ever time you started releasing music in the sort of serious context or were there efforts before um coin locker kid was a. Uh... Well, I started I started doing music in 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 high school, and so I just experimented. This would have been around like uh, two thousand six and stuff like that. And um, how, how old are you guys? When are you? Oh, yeah, sweet, sweet. Are you? <laughs> yeah, fourteen. <laughs> Holy shit! 
<laughs> so yeah, around the time that you were, you know, like waddling around in some diapers and like getting that breast milk. I wasn't even born. Actually, no, no, no. I they was were born, born a year like, later. 2008. Yeah, yeah I was born, born a year later. Yeah, I wasn't even born yet. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Well, so, but that's, you know, that would have been when like there was actual point locker kid stuff then, but yeah, I just started, I was always really interested in music. Um, uh, my dad is a Bruce Springsteen fanatic. And, uh, so that was like a big thing that was always around. And I guess before I started doing like music stuff, I was just more interested in writing. I wanted to be a writer. I looked at myself as a writer uh primarily like as a like a middle schooler or even elementary school yeah just as like as long as i can remember i've always wanted to do creative work and drawing comics and writing things and stuff like that but it evolved in the music because i sort of i have a penchant especially when i was younger for like making iconoclastic statements um in order to i guess like convince myself to do things but i was like no one cares about reading anymore. So in order to like get my message out there, it's got to be music. That's the most accessible form of art. And uh, it was easy to start getting um, uh, creative with that kind of stuff because, you know, you can have a FL studio on a laptop and uh, audacity or something. So, yeah, I use little MP3 players of microphones and stuff. And those are, that's how I like got started. But then um, Coin Locker Kid became a thing while I was in high school. And back then, what it originally was, was me, my girlfriend at the time, <clears throat> Katrina, and um, my best friend growing up, Dominique. And it was like a band. And we modeled it after like Portishead, where I was like doing at, at some point, like after my mom died, I ended up like acquiring like an actual sampler a role in SP555. And I, I switched over from like using computers and stuff like that to uh, wanting to use like uh, hardware. So I got a multi-track recorder and a Roland um, to imitate like Madlib because I knew that's like the type of gear that he was using. And so, yeah, so the first Coin Locker Kid tracks were made like that. And I was writing lyrics and like Katrina was singing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah um, um, yeah. For those who are listening yeah. and don't have video, oh. um, DC just pulled out the Mad Lib adjacent vinyl to show off real quick. Yeah. Um, don't seen by Quasimodo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I got to remember that. So I just, that was just like a, a mad villain. Nice. These are weird, I have. Yeah. weird things out of context for listeners. I just suddenly just start going, Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, um, oh shit, my mic, my mic, you see, all my wires are next to my records, but, um, what was I gonna say again, uh, oh, I forgot, I'll, br- I'll bring it up again, but, uh, oh yeah, I remember now, so, wasn't, uh, Coin Locker Kid named after, uh, Coin Locker Babies, the novel? Yes, um, and that comes from, um, I was reading a magazine, in Silent Hill for an, an interview with the creators of Silent Hill 4. And they were saying that that video game was inspired by Coin Locker Babies by Ryu Murakami. And that really stuck out to me because, um, yeah, so I'm an only child and my dad's military. And so I was, and, and he, mo- he, he uh, did tours overseas and stuff a lot when I was growing up. So it was just me and my mom a lot. She was very sick. 
and we had a really, really close relationship, but it was also fucked up. It was kind of like an abusive sort of relationship. And then she was sick and getting sicker at that time in my life in high school, when you were born DC, by the time you started putting your legs out and coming out, uh, I had developed coin locker kid more properly, but it was a time of great strife, uh, between me and my mother. And so like for me, poetically, and then, she, and then she eventually died. And that's been a big thing. And I realized only recently that the entirety of CLK is in very large part about trying to, trying to come to terms with that. We could talk about that more later. But yeah, so I'm, I felt like the coin locker kid. Because that was the thing. Coin locker babies, apparently that was um, a sort of a phenomenon in, in, in Japan, primarily, that's connected to like these, these mothers and having these children that they couldn't take care of or that they didn't want. And they were leaving babies inside of like coin lockers, which are like storage spaces and subway stations. And um, so that book tells this dystopic story about these babies that were abandoned in this way and then grow up and like live in this, like it's a, it's an incredibly surreal and like gritty crazy kind of book that's about uh, many, many different things. I guess like something like Fight Club would be like an American equivalent or something to its style or like, uh, well, that whole world or Burroughs or I don't know, but like it's, it's um, so yeah, it basically the way that I took it was that like, you know, it's like your origin has this huge effect on like what you're going to become, you know? And so I started having this, um, which is simple, but you know, I mean, at the time that, that, that idea meant a lot to me. And I was like, I was abandoned. I'm abandoned. I'm a coin locker kid. I'm, I'm yeah. So. Yeah. Sorry to hear about that. Oh no, no, that's okay. These are, you know, these, this is the spice of life. If we're lucky, we're fortunate enough to have these types of experiences and like have a, an opportunity to try and understand them and sort of like, understand ourselves you know it's like this is yeah because i know in um metamorph you talked about uh abandoned which i kind of related to as well and i was like shit i relate to this because it's after sorry spoilers i must say spoiler it's after the part you get fired in metamorph yeah Yeah, and you kind of bring that up uh that whole abandonment when you get like mentally abandoned which i found very relatable because i was I felt very abandoned at the time of listening to that project, especially the Sailor Key projects. Sorry, because I related to them. I related to them a lot, especially like Superflat and stuff. So thank you again for releasing Oh my them. God. I, I really thank you. A lot of empathy, empathy from your works and like stuff like that. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Or my, my pleasure. Yeah. No, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly privileged and lucky to have the opportunity to be able to, um, channel these things and then have it be received in in such a way it gives me a sense of purpose and that's a really beautiful thing to feel in a strange existence so some some yeah so some kid in ireland uh loves your music so (laughs) that's what that's that's what it's all yeah 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 Yeah, the music spans the globe yeah oh yeah and this is the first this is the first ever episode of my podcast so Pleasure having you on for the first That's guest. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Who are you yeah. who are you aiming yeah. for? Who else are you trying to interview? Oh yeah. Rock, oh, Ob- I Rock Obama. My fr- 
Oh, uh, no, I've known... Episode 2, Barack known, Obama. Uh, yeah, episode 2, Barack Obama. <laughs> but um, I tried interviewing my friends in my local scene because there's a whole punk scene and hip-hop scene going around here in Limerick where I am at the moment. And I tried interviewing them, but like because of COVID and stuff and gigs and stuff, you have to keep on postponing them. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably have that later on in the summer when we're more free. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I'll probably, probably have some of their stuff out. Are you going to well. try to do those yeah. ones, like, in person or also? Yeah, in person. In oh, okay, person, okay. Because, like, I'm all friends with them. We're all friends. Like, mm-hmm. we, all, we all know each other personally and stuff like that. So shout out to them. Uh, quick shout out. Shout out to 50 Foot Woman and Vicuity. Shout out. But that's, da- that's dangerous, though. It's the punk scene. Or you might get, like, a beer bottle, like, smashed over your head or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, steel no. Toe, it's, steel it's different toe. it's different over here in ireland you'll probably get hit probably yeah get, we have a oh, we, have, hit, we have an american yeah, you'll get hit with a pot of, yeah yeah we'll probably get hit we'll get you'll get hit with a pot of gold so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll get hit with a pot of gold excellent yeah, yeah. uh okay cool yeah yeah um i kind of went wherever for whatever the last question was but yeah you could yeah, hit, yeah. Me, hit me with another uh, question. Yeah, so we'll cir- circle back to one thing that you said earlier. You mentioned how uh, one of the ways that you got into music was Bruce Springsteen, specifically your father being a big Bruce Springsteen fan. So I'm assuming he played, you yeah. know, he was pretty somewhat influential on your music as well. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea uh, that you can be this kind of sort of verbose like storyteller, I think. I mean, you know, something like, uh, well, Darkness... Well, I guess there's several things. It goes pretty deep, actually. So, I mean, you got something like Darkness on the Edge of Town and just, like, sustaining, like, these intense moods of darkness and complexity. I mean, even, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, so Born to Run is this sort of breakout thing from him. And that's, like, the first time you start having song. Well, it's, it's not, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm not as familiar with his discography as I may, as I might be, so I'm not going to make any claims. But there's songs like Jungle Land with Thunder Road that have this crazy epic like vibe to them. And I later found out that he was inspired by things like Mean Streets and Martin Scorsese films. He was really interested in films and channeled a lot of that energy into like the way he wrote these sorts of songs. And then also, you know, it keeps getting more interesting if you think about just like parallels of like how this would have subconsciously seeded my brain. But there's Nebraska, so that's like a legit lo-fi <laughs> album from like a massive popular um, white rock artist. He got um, in the '80s, which yeah, and, and that has shit like uh, um, what's uh, Atlantic City oh, and yeah, stuff. I love that's that just too. right. So just like really haunting sort of things. When you think about something like the Ghost Sonata or the way. I was interested in using things like reverb and stuff. Like, I mean, I was hearing, you can hear all that kind of stuff in Bruce Springsteen's work. Also extreme pop sensibility, um, obsession with like old school shit. It's, it's Lynchian in that way. You got something like hungry hearts and like, so all these sort of like, uh, like, like go, go, I don't know, maybe not go, go. I'm thinking of like, like girl groups and like do what do oppy stuff obviously that so that's yeah like you know extreme black fetishization and black appropriation which is just the the way the way of our world the way of america (laughs) there's a a lot of yeah so these are all just like and probably just more and more and more things about like 
his music had a big influence on me. Oh, and I think also the idea of just being like, uh, being such a star, you know, being such like a, like a myth, the idea of like what effect he had on my own dad in and of itself was a source of like great inspiration of just sort of like really being pumped up to want to be kind of like larger than life. And, um, and you know, all these things are like incredibly problematic. I think like anybody that's involved in these industries and stuff. And yeah, there's a difference between one's humanity and this facade, this entertainment that that's happening. But, as a kid growing up and seeing that, yeah, that was, that was huge. And the last thing, forgive me for all this. I, I hope this rambling is, is okay, but yeah, it's great. Think, it's great. Don't, don't worry about yeah, it. You're good. Yeah, it's thank, great. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It, it was an, it was an interesting thing to sort of like, I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina and it's a, I grew up in a primarily like, I guess, you know, it's just like a like black environment. And when I went to elementary school and stuff, it's just like it's majority black people. And um, um, so Bruce Springsteen, my dad, like being really in the Bruce Springsteen was this strange thing. And that sort of like. I think, you know, everybody is culture. Yeah, our culture, really, our society really wants us to you know stay in certain lanes and there's like a lot of pressure to conform to a certain type of behavior like the i guess like the sexualization of women in a sort of misogynistic patriarchal society might really encourage a lot of girls growing up to be like well there's no other way that i can act and i just i think that that's true for like a lot of different people right so like i think for me that would come in the form of like you know like possibly needing to um, gravitate towards like specifically rap music or all these black forms of popular music that was happening. But in my household, I was inundated with something that was really, really far away from that. And I, and so that sort of like, that had a big impression on me. And basically like, I guess earlier on having like a real obsession of distancing myself from like what I believe I'm, I'm supposed to be. And in this way of just, yeah, so like really gravitating towards like white artists and and other types of like art and entertainment or whatever that was outside of like what I understood was what I was supposed to be into. And, you know, that was a very painful sort of thing, too. Yeah, because like Springsteen, like to get get about like getting like a legendary status and stuff like who gets a name like the boss like everyone's kind of like the boss now and like uh he's got like a huge fucking irish cult following like since like his start and all because i'm pretty sure yeah because i'm pretty sure his granddad was irish italian irish irish italian yeah yeah because i know he's jewish and uh i know that uh I think in 1910s-ish, there was a Jewish population in um, Ireland at the time. And they, they send they send like a few Jewish kids to um, Limerick City Centre during the World War II. But I know, um, yeah, I know that there's some Irish connection between Springsteen and stuff. And also, what do you think of him selling his whole catalogue for like 500 million? No, he sold like his whole... I wasn't aware of that, but, that. Um, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just what you do. 
I mean, when you're the boss, you can sell your music for half a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he's already sold his soul. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, what, 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 else, what else you got to lose? You know, just go ahead mm-hmm. and sell your records and get like your abstract fake money points. <laughs> yeah, and that's like all the money in the world as well. Like, I don't, I don't know what else you could get with that amount of money. So money is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, to it's me. Wild. To me, money's yeah. It's like the worst joke in the world. Yeah, it's, we just, it's just here's this thing. Let's collectively yeah. agree yeah. upon this fake thing and kill each other over it. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, exactly. It's <sighs> like fucking because like all these. The reason, in my opinion, the reason why we're all so fucking corrupt is because the power of money. Like the, so, like yeah. Let's That's go. Definitely one let's of go. like the primary reasons. Yeah. Yeah, it's a god. Yeah, when the you know, it's because, like I think yeah. you know, human beings like we have a tendency towards worship of abstractions as we live in this like material domain and occupy this material form, and like where old gods died, new gods are resurrected, and sometimes we have different words and different ideologies. So now it's like, yeah, a lot of people believe themselves not to be, you know, believing in God or believing in like the sentience of the universe or whatever, but they've just replaced it with like money or, or science or something like that. It was just like, mm-hmm. we, we need to create an idol and, and worship it because we refuse to find that divinity within ourselves. Cause like lots of the problems with Ireland now, like, cause there's a whole really bad housing crisis going on in Ireland at the moment. Most of it's all corrupt because of fucking money. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's unsettling, and there's a lot of pain and sadness. Yeah, I wouldn't want to sound condescending speaking about it in like such a way, but it's it's just it's just a extreme pain. It's an extremely extremely painful situation. I feel deep sensitivity towards it, where we are right now as a people in our society. Yeah, same with me. Like it's fucking devastating. Um, how? Because it's if we're talking about collective insanity. That's all it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much. But yeah. I guess, yeah, but anyway, well, anyway, okay, so, uh... uh... Okay, so I guess, sort of jumping off the fact that we were talking about Springsteen a little bit and influence on your music, uh, let's talk a little bit more about that influence. So, it's been known for a little bit that you are a very big Radiohead fan. Oh, yeah. You know, from, oh, yeah. you mentioned it back in your WMUC interview, um, like you talked to Tom York on Superflat, um, you've done covers of like Idiotech and stuff like that. Um, but you've also done covers of artists like Phil Elvrum and Mercedes Sosa. Um, do they play a big part in the influence on your music as well? Well, uh, Phil, Phil Elvrum, um, uh, Mercedes Sosa. So that's, that's Simon and Natasha from the Sela Key projects and my, amongst my closest friends. So, oh, okay. Right. Appear so, in a pyre. So that, that, I mean, that's just an interesting uh, uh, tangent. But yeah, the, so the Mercedes Sosa, is that, I don't even really, is that how you say her name? I think so. I think so. That, yeah, so I think so. It, it looks like the kind of name that would be phonetic. Okay. And um, so, so, so yeah, but a peer and a pyre is very much, you know, that was a lot. These say like key projects are very therapeutic. You know, they came about while I was working. Um on this farm and having a close connection with uh, all the people that you see in the project. And my, my partner, Mandy and, um, and 
Simon, Natasha and their family. So like that was doing these projects was a way it wasn't a conventional job. If you, if you haven't caught that by yet. Uh, uh. Uh, it's extremely normal. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they feel, they feel very personal as well. They just feel like, Oh yeah, we're going. We're yeah. Going. Yeah. So while I, I, I started, I started working there as a job and then it just became like finding, finding my family and finding a home. I never thought that I would, I would find. And we ended up making these projects out there as a way of dealing with like our experiences and stuff like that. I mean, so that happened organically. But by the time I had completed Superflat, we were understanding that, like, you know, this was something that we had. So a peer in a pyre was like basically like, well, we're going to do this Superflat self-inquiry with you, with Simon, with you and, and your life, Simon. and. So Peer and Empire is very much about like Simon's emotional state and his own interests and stuff like that. And then, so that's where that song comes from. And that's his wife, okay. Natasha, singing that. Um, oh, okay. Because I know um, he put up like a thing on a website thing of like called like Notes on Superflat, where he kind of gave like the process and what the equipment was used. Cause you were um you're you were trying to make an album before uh Superfly uh the quirkiest which like you did put the the quirkiest the quirkiest is that how like the quirkiest yeah, or something like that quirkiest. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. quirkiest the yeah. way that you forgive me oh, the okay. way that the way that you said it made me think of it sounded like the quirkiest like 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 I'm the I'm the quirkiest <laughs> but no no so yeah yeah uh, quirkiest and then that is a play on um. Uh, Quercus, like Latin for oak tree or something from a from a Nabokov novel, Invitation to a Beheading. Um, what was it? Oh yeah, because like the first three songs of it, I wish the Quercus, because uh, I see a lot of people say I wish it came out as an album as well, because like the songs off it are just so good. Because I remember telling you, I because I was doing a set for Digital Dub Radio yeah. and I played the Ways. And I remember telling you about it, yeah. Because, like, I, I don't know, like, I because I, you say on, you obviously express in Fabregard your, your hatred towards the songs and how you feel them, they're kind of shit, and you don't really know how, you kind of say that, oh, yeah, I don't know how to compress these properly and shit. But I think they're amazing. I, like, to, on, all honesty, The Ways is probably one of my favorite songs ever. I don't understand that. Y'all are, like, I could go, y'all are tripping. I could go, I could, I could go. Yeah, I could go on all day on my I love that song so much. I don't know. It's just you. You know, so you're conflating your emotional connection, yeah. like with the project itself, with these like crappy songs yeah, or probably, whatever. Probably, Wait, so yeah, actually, that's something I've been meaning to ask you. So, do you actually like like those three songs off of Corcus, or do you think they're just bad? Um, I love "Who's a Shade of Virginia Wolf." Like, the, so the thing about all those songs is that they were just like tragedies for me because like I made them. So people, people don't necessarily know this, but all the CLK material is done on multi-track recorders. And yeah, I discussed this. Right, with right, before right. As well. So this is um, a good opportunity yeah, to like yeah, let yeah. people know that and they might appreciate how bad it all is <laughs> a little bit <laughs> in a different way. But like, uh, cause um, but yeah, so I had like this fucking task and 24 track is something, something from like 2000. Or, it was, it was a, a weird time that it was from. And, um, I made those songs on there 
and they sounded great inside of the machine. But in the transition process to turn it into like I needed to put a CD in it and write the song or CD. And I don't know what I did. I, or I didn't spend enough time trying to figure out how to like fix it. But like they just were significantly reduced in volume and lacked all this, lacked all the dynamic uh, energy that I felt the original recordings had. So all of those songs to me just represent like deeply missed opportunities and the versions that they are on super flat are I, I basically made them sound worse in order to, cause yeah, so I was, that was the album that I was going to do. And then I started having all these problems and stuff. And then that's when ultimately I'm a big Charlie Kaufman fan. So like <laughs> the idea for super flat and like having that concept, you know, that's something that's quite similar to something like the film adaptation. If you've ever seen that, um, just, you know, I've heard of and yeah, I've heard of Andy Kaufman. Oh yeah, Charlie okay, Kaufman. cool. Yeah, Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know guy. Andy uh, for being uh, th- yeah the SNL host to yeah, unfortunately He's the man the man on the moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, mad the man on the moon. But, yeah, um, but also as well, um, so like the sale of key projects come from like your personal life, but how do you come up with these concepts as well? Because um, like. Like I know, I know they're very personal and they come from your own stuff, but they feel like I'm not. I'm not saying this in a mean way. I'm actually saying this in a happy way. But they feel like very exaggerated kind of yeah. stories as well. But they're also amazing. Yeah, in the in the way because like you can tell. Oh yeah, this didn't actually happen, but this is what happened at the same time. This is just more of exaggerated uh, theatrical right, version right. of what happened. Yeah, like if my, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if you get what I'm trying to say. Intact, yeah, if anyone. Um, <laughs> if anyone had any worries about that, that's that's something that didn't actually happen. That's what everyone was wondering. As soon as they clicked on this interview, they're like, "Are they going to yeah. answer the age-old yeah. question?" Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They got to ask. Oh yeah, did the did the Venus actually fall off, or was it just um? But like, there's so much. It feels very metaphoric as well. I like. I don't know because there's like. I don't know if you want people making um, interpretations of your projects or like, oh yeah, this actually happened. What do you think of, because um, especially with the social media response, it's just been so weird and funny. I'm glad, I'm glad uh, you found it pe- funny. People... I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I found the responses to it very funny because I saw people yeah, giving I, it like, oh yeah, this is the worst shit I've ever heard. This is the best shit I've ever heard. I didn't this find is a it funny at all. It was yeah. fucking painful. I put my, I put the, yeah, real funny. I put my life out there, I put myself out there like that, so that motherfuckers on TikTok can just be like, "This is fucking shit, super mid rap. This is no bad rap album." No, no, you. Well, the thing is, there's there's two very distinct schools when it comes to you know TikTok, like rate your music, um, all those other sites. You have the group that think it's like obviously horrible. They're like. Dude ripped his dick off. One out of ten. I hate this. This sucks. <laughs> and then you have, and then you have the other group of people who are all like, "This is like the single most piece, important piece of art ever created." Thirteen out of ten. Unbelievable. Yeah, and that's me. And there, yeah. it feels like with this yeah. album, especially like this is probably one of the most polarizing projects I've ever seen a response to. There is no one in the middle who's like, "It's okay." Like, no, you either love it or you hate it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm not saying, oh yeah, it's funny because blah blah blah. I'm saying no, it's funny. I was just, I was just, I was just fucking with you. I was just joking because it, it is, <laughs> it is pretty yeah. funny. But I mean, it is a good opportunity to <clears throat> put that out there. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I think people 
should be free to say whatever they want for sure forever. Um, but you know, it would be nice if, uh, all that comes from just like the, yeah, how much are we going to objectify like ourselves and like everything? Like even right now, I imagine that there's somebody out there that if they were to listen to this or know that I'm saying this or whatever, it would be like, fuck him. He's a fucking pretentious nigger. Fuck. And get all upset and really angry and defensive or something like that. Just because I'm suggesting that if we stop like just knowing that everything is just some kind of like object that's like worthy of just being treated like trash or whatever. Like I'm not a human. I mean, it makes sense that people feel these types of things because that's the type of corporatized Philip K. Dick dystopia that we're living in right now. So people feel naturally defensive and stuff like that. So it's like, even though I don't know you, this, I'm not promoting this. I'm not forcing you to listen to this. Somebody is gave this to you and you feel a violent response to it and like can put it out there like sort of mean and hurtful things and like that that's that's just like a, a basic reaction it was a very uh and i guess that's yeah. what you that's what you sign yeah, up for but why does that just why do we accept that is that that's just the state of humans that's just how we are if you want to like mm-hmm. express yourself yeah then you need to like be prepared to deal with people <laughs> that uh yeah yeah, yeah. Cause I remember seeing, um, I remember seeing the, I seen one of the reviews for Superfan. It was like, oh yeah, I respect this project, but I don't like the politics. Oh god, <laughs> that's uh. what someone said. People and don't then, understand um, the politics. Um, super flat either. I don't think it's not. I'm yeah. not trying to talk yeah. about like some black and white picture. People need to understand that. Um, I'm, I'm still in Chapel Hill at the moment, but I was living in a very liberal, um college town area during the trump presidency and that's like it's just a fact that people had very specific experiences with that and there was an emotional tenor that was in the air that was something very pervasive um super flat takes place in an alternate reality so that's that's not a political record (laughs) about left wing versus right wing. I think people also get confused because of the Republic. That's like a reference to like Plato. It's not about like the Republican party. Yeah, because um, like okay. I think because I'll say a lot of fucking right wingers got pissed off when you kind of said it was the fascist. Because like, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, they're like, oh, fuck this guy. He thinks uh, he thinks I'm a Nazi. Fuck him. Like, he's- that's very interesting. No, you know, I mean, and that's definitely me mocking that's actually me specifically mocking liberals, I think, like, and mocking that mentality. Although it, by the end of it, it becomes something that, like, I reveal. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's a lack. It's, it's easy to be like, oh, well, you know, Trump, uh, he's not doing anything that, like, no other president did. Like, yeah, it's like the whole thing is corrupt. That's something that makes a lot of sense to me. It also makes a lot of sense that, like, you know, he also behaved in a way that had a lot of threatening implications for like myself and people of color. And, you know, so that's just, that's just the reality. And super flat was about like having acceptance for that condition, but then all that's just sentimentality as well. That's a big thing. Like that whole big speech at the end and stuff like that. And I'm giving like this 
heart rendering speech. It's that that's like a parody of doing those types of things because as soon as like Tom York comes, like it's 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 completely over, you know? Yeah. Um like and going back to like the fucking hate response you got from some to me it's just some people showing their inner racism as well. And they're just going like, Yeah, oh, yeah, wait. definitely. Definitely. That's just that's just like the state that that we exist in. And it's um it's it's hard. It's just about it's about trauma, you know? It's like that's that's where these things come from. And so it's not I don't think it's anybody's fault, but I I, I definitely can't act like it is. I mean, yeah, I don't know what any objective truth is, but things like that definitely seem to be like, well, yeah, that's a reality. You're like to a specific type of white person or whatever that finds themselves so deeply triggered by these kinds of things or whatever. So I'm not fucking racist. I'm just fucking tired of making of everything being about race. Like that, that type of response totally makes sense to me. I definitely understand it. Like it, it, it's not fair because did you choose to be white? Did you choose to be growing up in an environment where the veal is being lifted and it's not as easy to just be so like thoroughly like uh, colonistic or, or, or whatever, or genocidal as you used to be. But at the same time, like, yes, yeah, so I, I just think there's a lot of compassion that I have for that situation that unfortunately it may not seem like I'm expressing and like, I'm just like, I'm, creating a voice of opposition or whatever, like a, a woke voice to try and like suppress other people's experiences. And I don't want super flat to be seen that way, but. Yeah. Like I have to deal with these sort of people cause I had to go to a Christian, uh, all white, nearly an all white Christian school. And like, I had to hear some people going like, Oh yeah. Um, we should say the N word because, uh, we oh. invented the term. Like, like, I'm like, God. shut the fuck up. Because all these people come from like all rich, white, privileged backgrounds and they're like, they feel so obligated to say a fucking slur. I'm like, why the fuck would you want to say a slur? I have a reason. Yeah. I, I have an idea. Like maybe people would want to say a slur because it's taboo. <laughs> you make a huge mm. fucking production yeah, exactly. about how horrible these words are and that definitely makes sense these are like words or spells and they carry like extreme amounts of power unfortunately though when you start to like create an environment where you're just like you cannot say this thing obviously people are gonna want to say it so that's another thing i feel compassion about it's like it's a tough situation fortunately i um i i live with the double-edged sword of like carrying the trauma of the n-word but also having the privilege to say it nigga 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 and don't if, 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 if either one of you motherfuckers try to say that word i swear to god don't don't you fucking say it yeah i know i know but like yeah loads these people in ireland at the moment there's this whole fucking there's this whole fucking group of people going like we should be allowed to say it because we invented it like please Shut the fuck up. No one tell asked me that, a dumb um, opinion. You should tell Just them that no white person is ever allowed to make like house music or rock music or like electronic music or anything like that because that was all invented by black people. So they should be able to replay that. Yeah, if we, if we take yeah. this like to yeah. its like logical yeah. conclusion, I'm not sure that like white people will be allowed to do anything. <laughs> white, white people, well, no, they can, they can still make country music. Well, even then, that, that partially originated from black origin. Well, look, um, look. They can, they can still make some country music. We'll give them that. A white man, Dawkins or whatever, came out and said 
And he's an expert, so you got to trust him. But he said that, like, uh, everybody comes from Africa anyway. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, the out of Africa. Right. Yeah. So it's like, done deal. We got it. We got it. Y'all can't have nothing anymore. It's like we're literally responsible for everything. Because black is the blackness from which all emerges. It's the, it's the, the big bang, that little, little black dot. That everything comes mm-hmm. from. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all yeah, so I get we're all the same though. Like we're all anyway, just yeah, very, very free form. Okay. Yeah, let's Yeah. So I guess sort of jumping off of the concept I was talked a little bit about earlier, uh, about like, you know, people imposing certain meanings on the super flat and whatever. Um, sort of in a similar vein, your works, depending on the record, can have very vastly different sonic landscapes. Uh, like if I were to show someone the Ghost Sonata and then the Holy, they'd probably think those are just two entirely separate artists, honestly. Um, but that often, because they're so different sonically, often results in them being imposed with different genre tags, like I don't know, hip hop, pop, psychedelia, sound collage, etc. Any of the other ones that Radio Music throws on there. Um, do you have any sort of relationship with genre as a concept that informs your work at all, or do you think it can be kind of like just thrown to the wayside, like we don't need it? Oh. Um... Well, it's a, it's a complicated thing. I mean, clearly I'm obsessed with uh, genre and um, like you can, you can tell that with all the projects, like all the projects are like based on very specific things in very specific ways. And at the same time, so I'd be lying if I were to be like, you know, I don't, I'm genreless. I really don't care about genre. You know, I just, I don't want to be put inside of a box because that's definitely something that I feel. And that's why the music is the way that it is. But the way that I express that is by trying to like do a large variety of different genres, which are like, you know, like schools of study and mm-hmm. things that you have to like understand. So yeah, so in that way, I'm incredibly obsessed with genre. I have to admit that genre is very important. It it's it's a tool with which we navigate um the spheres of abstraction. It is important to put that's that's what life in the material plane is about. It's about like <laughs> labeling things and putting things in boxes and in order to like figure out a different kind of materialistic way to understand these things. So I make that it does make a lot of sense. And I've experienced a lot of joy as a result. Well, you know, my weird um, parasocial symbiotic connection with rate your music gives, <laughs> gives me an opportunity to look into all kinds of different things like that neurotic, obsession with ranking and labeling everything has uh, provided a wonderful landscape uh, through which to explore many different cool things. So it's, it's pretty exciting, but yeah, like, like most things it's, it's a uh, very destructive. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So um, I guess I find it interesting that you mentioned you have a, a quote unquote parasocial relationship with rate your music. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess I'm a little bit curious. Me, I, I meant parasitic. <laughs> uh, okay, I see. I see. Um, no, I no, guess no, no, in no, that no, sense, no, no, that's a joke. But yeah, parasocial. Yeah. Joke. Okay. Yeah. So what you okay, I guess the main thing that I was uh, curious about is how did you like first learn about stuff like I don't know, like rap talk or rate your music, and what was your like initial response to all of that? Seeing everyone talk about your music in such polarizing ways. Um, well, so I love rate your music, obviously, because you know they that's where these. There's not many of y'all fans or Nintendo anything, fans. so you know it's like I. What'd you say, DC? 
Oh God, Fantano fans. So yeah, there's not many fans and stuff out there, but like a lot of them are on rate your music, and like so that's that's been a real big part of me. Um, I knew about rate your music when I was younger, and I think I even tried to like upload like like uh, the information for Ghost Sonata when I was when I was younger, but. Um, but then I forgot about it really quickly. Rate your music was something that, so I, I did have a relationship with it in that way, but it was something that like came back around. Um, and that's, uh, it was, you know, just, just, just looking myself up on the internet and stuff, you know, look at looking up coin locker kid, trying to see if like anybody's like discovered it and stuff like that. And then ultimately rate your music became a place where that was really happening. The rap talk thing obviously was just different. Like, cause you know, we're talking about this short period of time, 10, 15 years where the internet and the technology with which we um, interact with the internet has changed very drastically. So there's a big difference between like doing Sam and a doubt in 2016 and seeing people on rate your music or whatever. And um, TikTok literally didn't exist. So like, um, when the super flat thing happened, it just came to me and it was just like, this is happening. It's in your email. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. 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 So I was just looking at my phone and like seeing it, seeing, seeing that happen because people were reaching and I had an Instagram at the time as well. And uh, people were like getting on there and letting me know that I, I have a top 100 greatest album all time. <laughs> and uh, the top 10 greatest album all time. So, uh, uh, SM of all time, in my opinion, in my oh, opinion, that's it's incredibly SM. flattering. But look, watch out in a couple of years, you might, you might not even remember super flat, you know, eight. I, I kind of doubt, I kind of doubt it after do, this being my first ever interview. No, you're just solidifying it right now with this interview. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Cause I'm I like, that's yeah, so cool. yeah, because um, you can be able to look back at it and yeah. Sorry to bring up Fantano again, but um, he also shouted out Summon of Doubt, and you also sampled that when he shouted it out in uh, Superflat as well. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. People, look, people got really obsessed about that, but don't have anything to say about like the Pale Fire, Nabokov references, and everything. But you know what? Whatever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, awkward silence, everybody. Jeez, why are you making me feel like a damn weirdo? <laughs> so look 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 For, okay forgive my insecurity anyway this is all jokes um fantano well you know so that was um what that was about to me was the idea of like so that's something that happens in the radio while i'm complaining to simon about um um the state of pop being yeah, and kind of the state of music at the moment as well Right. And, and I get like my feeling of, of being excluded from it. Right. So that sort of was connected to this idea. There, there's a big like one of the biggest like sub themes of super flat or whatever is about like, you know, how the universe is expressing to you exactly what you need to know. And you choose to ignore it because you're focusing on something else like like Devin's problems about compression and all that. It's all just like a smoke screen for ignoring just like the fundamental like trauma of the nature of his very existence, you know? And it's like, I think if he was able to connect with the chickens 
and like and connect with Mandy. Those are the things that I think are like the actual places that would, you know, give him what he's looking for. But instead he's looking for it in this other sphere. And so like he's saying all this shit and stuff like that. And meanwhile, there's literally like people talking about Coin Locker Kid right on the radio. You know? It's a representation of his weird, like, you know, this sort of fractured mental state where he's like, like the whole world is super flat. Is this like surreal, amorphous uh, mind prism, basically? Like it is an alternate dimension that exists within the realm of like this digital space between your ears. So like, that's why things like that are happening and stuff, you know? So Fantano or Fantano whatever is yeah, whatever whatever, is whatever he is the man if, he, if he if he is maybe he's not maybe he's a bot i've never met Fantano. have you met Fantano? maybe no. he's a maybe he's a deep fake he's a cgi he's been a deep fake for however many years he's been active ever since like what 2010 2011 something like that I think, yeah, yeah. He, he was one of the first he picks. Yeah. Right, right. If you And if you look back at those older videos or whatever, the quality is not quite as good. You know, it's like when you look at a Jurassic Park, you know, the CGI. Yeah, yeah. It's, exactly, it's, it's exactly. good, but it's not that good, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's gotten a lot out. better over the years. <laughs> Nowadays, it's very good. It's hard to tell. Um, yeah, because I, I discussed this. Oh, voice crack. Sorry, I discussed this about uh, Columbus with you before, and like, who knows? He could have been some fucking fake guy. Some guy wrote in a book, and he was like, "Oh, yeah." yeah. We just we don't know. People, you know, people still go into churches and look up at like Christ's corpse, his plastic corpse sitting there on a cross. Depending on what kind of church you go into, and there are schools of thoughts or whatever. It's just like not only is dude like his homeboy not real but like the whole thing is like an astrological like poem about the the, the sun <laughs> who, <Yeah. laughs> who knows was he really like this chill white dude with blue eyes and a beard or was he actually the sun is it actually a parable about like the way that this giant flaming ball moves or or stays, stays very, if he is real he wouldn't be white like, that's for sure yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he became white in popular portrayal but yeah yeah I know because like probably white Christians just glorified the fuck out of him and like oh yeah let's white let's, Christians let's, probably looked at him and like him, you know he's yeah. kind of like me he's probably white too he's, 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 he's probably white see and that's the, that's the weird thing too I mean because that's that's what the whole thing's supposed to be about right it's like you start taking the Eucharist or whatever and you're supposed to be like he's kind of like me because I ate him <laughs> and I drank his blood. Probably <laughs> 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 like me. Yeah, but like, but like in the Bible too, like he kills a kid for no reason what? other whoa, than whoa, he just whoa, pulls whoa, into him. Hold the phone. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a story in the Bible where um he goes, where, where a kid just bumps into him and he's like, you know what? Fuck you, kid. And then he, and then the kid falls over right Did you, after that, him. Yeah, the Bible is... The Bible is way more brutal than people yeah. initially think. The, uh, yeah, the Bible is so graphic. It's like it's like a it's like a Tarantino movie turned up that's, to that's 110. It's like it's like yeah, <laughs> centrist, centrist parents yeah. won't let their yeah. children purchase games like Call of Duty, but they'll let them read the Bible for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can read the Bible. You can read about you can read about um you can read about Satan and um yeah. Like I found this so weird because you know you know about the PMRC. In the 80s and when they tried to put like 
I'm obviously trying about this because, you know, Dick Kennedy's got the fucking strike as well and they got sued. But, like, I find it so weird that they're, like, one of... They, they made, like, a list of the filthy 15 of songs and they're like, oh, yeah, this song has sex in it. Oh, yeah, get it banned. The song has mentions of drugs. Get it banned. One of them was Satan. Like, what? <laughs> like, you can't... A song that mentions Satan is going to get banned. Oh, so, God. like, what? How, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, I always I always found censoring so weird. Fear, just fear so is crazy. Fear towards fear is crazy. Yeah. Where does it come from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, coincidentally enough, we we wrote this. We wrote these like bullet points last week. And um, sorry to bring up Superflat again, but um, do you actually hate Kendrick <laughs> Lamar, or is that just like a joke poking fun at him? Uh, like, cause yesterday at the time of recording this, Kendrick Lamar just announced. Oh yeah, perfect timing for this interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect timing. Do you actually hate Kendrick Lamar? And was the uh, year the rooster actually influenced by uh, more, more? Sorry, was Mortal Mannequin influenced by Mortal Man? Well, let me ask you: Does Kendrick Lamar show up in Superflat? <laughs> yeah. Let me Do I'm you actually hate him? Does Kendrick Lamar? Cedric Lamar. Yeah. Cedric Lamar. Sorry, so sorry, Cedric Lamar. That's and really, sorry, really important. A that's a really important distinction. Kendrick Lamar is not in Superflood. Does that song sound like a Kendrick Lamar song? No, 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 no. Sorry, what I meant was was the title inspired no, no, by no, no, I know, I know. Man but like, no, perfect. I'm bringing this up just as a point of query or whatever to like, because this comes up a lot. Like, I wouldn't. It's just like it's just like with the Trump thing. Like Donald Trump is not in super flat. The fact that it takes place in an alternate dimension is incredibly important. These ideas that these are like symbols and that these are like represent like so Cedric Lamort. Cause like I could answer this question easily or get whatever this beef, like get this beef going in the streets or whatever. But like I would encourage you, if you'll allow me to play this game real quick. So Cedric mm-hmm. Cedric, yeah, yeah, I don't mind. No, no, it's, it's great. It's, it's, no, it's, it's yeah. wonderful. Don't worry. But so Cedric Lamort is played by me, right? Mm-hmm. That's my voice, and yeah, and and what are the initials that you can find inside? Like the way that I changed that name to be Cedric Lamort is C L M. Yeah, yes, it's C L M, but more like I threw mm-hmm. that K in there, right? So all of these things are just like it's a it's a way of saying that this is you know this it's it's like a shadow character it's like that's me so like sorry for the incorrectness as well for of me to be like that because like in in our dimension or whatever we have Kendrick Lamar but yeah we're we're contextualizing Superflat in this universe which is wrong obviously we need to hop over by one yeah we need to hop over. And in <laughs> that universe, it's so what I'm trying to say. But yeah, no, no, but yeah no, sorry. sorry about but that. It's, yeah, it's, like it's meant yeah. to be way more complex. Like the idea of reducing it to like, do, do you hate uh, Kendrick Lamar? And also, look, we can use that as a jumping off point for like even more philosophizing. There's, there's racism inherently like inside of that. That seems to be something where it's like, is it really like, when we can look at Superflat and the things that are inside of it and to see that this was like a big, like fun talking point to come out of it 
reminds me of just like, so people are really interested in seeing like black on black violence. People are really interested in seeing black conflict. Just like you're going to see in basketball, got to see basketball obsessed with like violent rap problems and stuff like that. Like the whole idea of like dead black bodies is like this extreme obsession. And, and I guess me jumping to that point might appear to be elite, but it's just like, I don't see how it, like, it makes a lot of sense that that would be a point of interest, but it was also very sad that that's like one of the only like things that people who got on that rap talk, super flat train, like decided to take up as a point of interest. But to answer the question, I highly respect Kendrick Lamar as a, a, a brilliant artist and a brilliant musician um, operating. And sorry about that. Uh, sorry about that again. No, nah, you're all good. Dude. I didn't mean don't to mean Definitely, it that yeah, way. Don't, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't, don't worry at all. Don't worry at all. Because it's a real legitimate and good question. But yeah, I just wanted to use this opportunity to just sort of like expound those thoughts. Yeah, because I don't think it's stupid that people like want to know whether or not I hate um, Kendrick Lamar. But um, I, I, it does feel strange. Like, I think when you look at that, when you look at the effort I went through, to sort of like, sort of like Cedric Lamort, the character and how he's presented in that project. It's, it's about nuance and complexity. Like, so even though he's a part of like this pop industry sphere that Devin, the character feels so threatened by, and he's doing a song that doesn't necessarily seem to be all that good or whatever, at least by Devin's own standards, Simon, lets Devin know that like Cedric is expressing himself and he is in fact speaking through people. It's like, it's like people aren't going to be perfect. What Cedric ultimately is, is a reflection of Devin and it's a reflection of the parts of Devin that he doesn't like about himself or that he's scared of about himself and that he's worried of about himself. So when I see Hendrick Lamar and other people operating in these categories, it brings up these triggers about my illegitimacy. Like if Kendrick Lamar is popular and people love him and people love his art, does that create a world where like I can't be loved because I'm also a black guy that should be doing that same thing, but I'm not like Deluvium or whatever, you know? So, uh, oh, oh, wait, no. hold up. DZ just disappeared. DC, DC was like, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> He's like, nah, nah, I'm done with this. I'm oh, out. Damn, I Interview done. No, sorry. No, sorry. I got caught up. No, I got caught up like, there for a second. Sorry. Wait, can he was you like, I'm, right? done, I'm done with all this preaching. Oh, fuck. Yeah, no, we should. Cool. Yeah, and don't, don't, please don't worry about any, like, saying sorry or anything for any of these things. Oh yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure that's just an Irish thing. We all apologize. That's a Canadian thing, isn't it? So like, Canadians always like, being like sorry. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, because like, I, thought, I thought it was an American so thing. Say in Ireland, for example, if you bump, yeah, if you like bumped into, if you bumped into an Irish person in the road by accident, you're obviously gonna be like, oh, sorry, mm. sorry, 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 nice. stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, uh, I guess because I don't know, it feels like a little bit of a topic reset, so I might as well jump to a question that doesn't feel connected to anything else. But um, back in your WMUC FM eighty eight point one interview with the University of Maryland College Radio. Uh, you said, quote, obviously what we want is vinyl, unquote, in reference to a question about like physical representations of your music. And obviously you've released cassettes with already dead tapes. Um, are there plans in the future to potentially do that vinyl or maybe just like cassette runs again, whether that be 
new music reissues etc what are the plans for that in general um uh, there are no plans i mean look i'm currently interestingly in a transitional period where i think that i'm going to try and start actually like doing uh music in a more serious capacity like so my only plans with that is that like i'm I'm gonna start uh performing live um and i'm writing music with the intention of performing live and so even though it's a little uh um belated um i'm going to try to go that direction but i'm saying all that just to say that there were no plans for anything. There's never been any plans because it's just been me putting putting shit out. Like the, those tape, the way that those tape things exist, you know, that's a pretty low key, low stakes, intimate sort of thing. It's just like you know, sending somebody an email and they're interested, and then they just put put their own tapes out. So like, mm-hmm. I don't. So what I'm saying. So yeah, forgive me for long winded responses, but um, no, don't worry. You're good. Maybe. Maybe that's something that'll happen in the future. I'm I'm open to it. But like, um, yeah, I've never really had any kind of plans with any of that. That's just never been a part of it. Like that whole world. I think I'm going to try to participate in it now, which also might be a, a well, it's a very strange time as we seem to be like in um you know approaching a depression and national food shortages and the possible emergence of world war three this is a very strange time to decide to pursue my dream of becoming um an artist and doing all that stuff like making merch or or and performing and like whatever all those kind of like technical kind of things but yeah i've never been really interested in it um before also that interview that's important to remember i sometimes i hear people quoting that because i guess that's like one of the only pieces of context that anyone has about me talking Mm -hmm. or some shit um you know i was young like people change Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and on the topic of changing i actually do have a question that sort of ties back to that interview again um in that interview you mentioned how kid a is your favorite album of all time does that still hold true today or is there a new king in town um it it does <laughs> it does it's, it's still true oh eight years later still true damn yeah it's still oh, yeah, it's still here. that's beautiful still, still um yeah. well i don't know maybe for you wonder huh? if for any of the, i say it's like for any sorry to interrupt you but if if any of the uh uh listeners are confused i just pulled out my copy of kid a on vinyl yeah, and also I like to make a note here. If there's any record manufacturers, owners, or workers here, uh, please uh, put out a copy of um, any of uh, Devin's music. Yeah, <laughs> much appreciated. Well, look, there's a thing too of like cleared samples and uncleared samples and all that shit. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you sample so much stuff. That's gonna be difficult. Yeah, because I saw, uh, yeah, because I bought some, because I saw some guy put up like a clip of most of the samples he used, and that must be. A oh, I know. Like, no, no, so, that's great. So, it's yeah. cool. So, like, yeah. um. Yeah, but like, but like, I don't want you getting sued. And it's <laughs> weird. Like, am I am I going to like do people people do YouTube videos? Okay, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to out myself as being stupid, but yeah, I, I don't give a. I don't give a flying fuck. I delete all those fucking albums straight off the face of the internet. I don't give a fucking care. Yeah, 
Didn't you do that um once after making Superfat you deleted your socials? Do you mind me asking about that? Uh, or? No, no. It's just uh Wait, you have to do a Superfat? You deleted like your social media accounts, I believe. Um no, that wasn't after Superfat. Um Yeah, that was silly. Yeah, no, I yeah, that was it, it was, he was mythologizing it in a way that was sort of like cool, but it it wasn't like I did this project and then like disappeared off the face of the earth and all that <laughs> stuff. No, the social media has just stayed right up. I deleted all of the Coin Locker Kid material like from the internet before I did the midwife. Um so that was like a significant event that happened. And um and I think I had a Facebook and then deleted that. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about like the deleting social media. And, uh, not really. And Superfly was oh, okay. 20, I did that in right. 2017. So like, what was it? Would that be a reference to like in 2017? And like, did he have access to this information? Like he didn't know about Superfly <laughs> until last year. Like everyone- I mean, most people didn't because uh, in an odd sort of sense, a bucket of Jake technically learned about Superflat through me when you go through like the chain of events because i have a friend named jackson who i showed Superflat to one day uh, and then he yeah he ended up loving it and then he showed it to jake so i like indirectly are you friends, was the reason are you friends with jake i'm like i'm like acquaintances with them like we know each other we respect each other but we don't talk really oh well if you talk to him tell him i said what's up i know he was like uh he he invited me to reach out or whatever in in the video but like um yeah that's there's been a lot of paranoia about just like being attached to like the the penis monster meme of super flat and uh <laughs> you know that's not that's not necessarily where you want to be you know like clk is like 19 albums <laughs> you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah and yeah people just want an opportunity to start laughing at a joke i mean that's yeah that, that was really ironic like you know people are just seem to be or at least the type of people that interact with the internet in like a very verbose sort of way or whatever seem to be deeply deeply obsessed with like finding things to laugh at because we live in a viscerally terrifying world and environment so it's like oh here's a black guy that we can laugh at let's laugh you know as opposed to (laughs) i mean that's a cynical perspective of it but you know like um um uh, like yeah, I know I sound like a really fucking big ass weirdo going like this, but um, obviously Decrips, Decrips as well. They get like I I've seen so much shitty memes of um um MC Ride having a mental breakdown and oh, people yeah. laughing. I'm like, I mean, that man has that man's having a serious health issue, and you're mm-hmm. all laughing about. You can say the same thing about like Kanye as of late and like his whole whatever i'm like i only partially pay attention to it because it's like a lot to process, but that whole thing has always been like iffy for me because like. I obviously don't want to diagnose him with anything, but it does feel like he's suffering from well, something potentially. Look, 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 look. And people are just like, yeah, he, he is bipolar. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, he is no, bipolar. He was, yeah. I didn't like ever like double check that, yeah. but is it like confirmed? Yeah, yeah, it is confirmed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, people are like kind of putting him on this. I believe not like a pedestal. Look, but, like it's weird. I believe that this type of stuff is people having very reasonable reactions to an absolutely insane environment. Like, I Mm -hmm. think 
I have a lot of deep thoughts and questions when it comes to and, and skepticism and ideas when it comes to like ideas about like mental health and stuff as a subject. And I know it's incredibly touchy and I just feel an extreme amount of sensitivity towards people that are like um, having their own journey and relationship with that. But I, I also think that like, like it might be considered response just to, to create a hypothetical example. It might be considered reasonable and responsible and certainly of like a sound mind to be, to follow a schedule and make sure you get your taxes done and vote for the next presidential candidate and, you know, drive your car around. And I think like, let's just say, like, with taxes and with money. As I suggested earlier, it's something that's not real. It's like a collective fantasy that we all make up. Like, there's a laptop sitting right here, and that costs a certain amount of money. But none of that money is inside of the laptop. It has nothing to do with the laptop. Like, all of the materials that were used to create it, and whatever is going on in the electromagnetic spectrum that like picks up these signals and stuff. None of that has to do with the little zeros and ones that are sitting inside of a server somewhere or a piece of paper with occult symbolism written on the back of it and stuff like that. So that's an example of something that's treated as being like mentally healthy to like, you know, be good with money and to have an ambition to make a lot of money. So that's not a society that I feel very trustworthy about, like making any kind of statements about who is and who is not mentally healthy. Obviously, they're mm -hmm. debilitating things for sure. Like you can be very good with money and still, you know, be able to walk up and down the street. And if you're at a place where like you literally, you know, can't perceive your environment around you or you start acting violent, like all those things definitely make a lot of sense. And it's like, OK, they have a mental health issue. But. I feel like the reason that these mental health issues exist are a direct result of living and being forced to live inside of the paradigm that we're in. You know, it's if we I think if we actually open up our hearts and try to let in a little bit of the reality about what's going on around us. It, I mean, but how could we truly be sitting here having this conversation about these fucking albums I made when they're talking about the possibility of dropping nukes? And this is just this is just something that's popular that's happening right now. This has nothing to do with just like the nature of violence that happens every fucking day all around us at all times. If we were able to like truly process that and let it in, I'm not sure I would be able to speak. It feels like a, it feels like mental instability simply to be able to walk around in such a grossly imbalanced and violent society. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes a shit lot of sense. Yeah, but like, especially with the tensions in Europe now, it's actually getting scary because there's a possibility now, especially in Ireland, if they get oh. rid of that pipeline, that means no electricity. We can't no like cars can't function. Um, possibly our air will be fucked. Uh, so probably no washer, like stuff. It all really. It's all very risky and a sad situation. If you see, especially what you're seeing in Russia, what those Russian soldiers are doing. Like, I heard some of the most scariest and most disturbing and sad stories what those Russian soldiers are doing to innocent Ukrainian civilians. Right, right. And yeah, that's, it's, that's tragic. And the, the, the system that 
is designed to perpetuate. Like, as far as I'm concerned, everything that we see is everything running very smoothly. Like, this is the way that things are supposed to work. This is what our whole realities are based on. Like, violence isn't like the exception. It's the basis from which, like, all of these concepts that we use to dictate how we live our lives, like, come from. And that, you know, like, um, and so, yeah, so when, when black dudes are in the limelight out there and like having like mental health breakdowns and stuff like that, I'm just like, well, you know, he's, he's probably feeling something real that other people are very, are, are, are numb to, you know, not, not, not to say that that's the only reasonable response. I mean, obviously that's what like art is for, you know, you can like express yourself in a certain type of way. And then, you know, you don't have to bring a level of erraticism to your interactions amongst other human beings. But um, it's I just wish there was more compassion for that. And it, it also just seems like it just doesn't seem unreasonable to me. It seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. We've been talking about like a lot of serious topics and stuff. And you want to tell I a couple think, jokes like... before we leave? <laughs> oh why yeah, actually, that reminds me of one. Why did you cross the road? That... Yeah. yeah, why? Huh? Yeah, why did why why did um? That was an yeah, unintentional yeah. super yeah, We go into a stand-up sketch after. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, yeah. I did have um one kind of joke question that I wrote just in case we wanted to at the end. Um, we are pushing kind of man. maybe like. Because we have a good amount more questions. We're obviously not going to ask all of them. There's only like maybe two in specific I want to get to. Uh, but just as a quick joke one, um, Devin, what is your ideal sandwich bill? You know, um, imagine if like price didn't matter, ingredients didn't matter. You had access to all the ingredients you wanted. What is your ideal sandwich bill? Like, like a sandwich that you eat? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just really like the Jersey Mike's number 13. Like it's, it's, it's the, it's the perfect sandwich. Like, you know, Jersey Mike's. I know Jersey Mike's. I, well, I know Jersey Mike's. I'm looking up what the number 13 is specifically. Okay. And DC, I'm sorry. Cause yeah, dude, the, yeah, yeah, I lived in Cleveland for a year. I lived in Cleveland for a year, but Whoa. I was only a baby. Oh, <laughs> oh that's adorable. Carol, um, send the picture in the general chat of the sandwich yeah so describe the sandwich and you just described my ideal sandwich build like i don't need anything more than the (laughs) yeah according to the site it's provolone ham that looks yummy oh god how do you pronounce that word i don't even know um prusicini prusicini that's that's a pro not pru (laughs) i don't know but uh, everyone if you're listening go google jersey mike's number 13 and you'll see devin smith's ideal sandwich build why the fuck you asking questions like that? Like, where did that come from? No, I don't know. I think um, I, there was one point where I was asking some friends like, hey, I know, because like a lot of my friends enjoy your music as well. So like, do you have any questions for Devin that you might like find interesting? And a couple of people sent in like joke answers. So one of them was like, oh, ask him what his favorite sandwiches. Nice. <laughs> and I found that one actually pretty funny. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? If it comes up, I'll do it. That's actually cool. Like, I almost feel like, oh, damn, we should do just like, we could have just done like a whole joke interview thing but no this is better this is gonna oh, be oh yeah um have you seen i know you've like listened and know phil elver because you have a cover for one of his songs on your albums but did you see that joke interview he did at one point i forgot like who it was with but it was like entirely messed up answers like that make no sense whatsoever 
It was only like five minutes long, but it was one of the single funniest things I've ever seen. I'll send it to you. I'll send it in the chat so you can watch after, but it's just like, where is it? Okay. It's just like five minutes of like completely nonsense questions and answers. It's amazing. Oh, well, that's cool. No, I, I don't think I've seen that. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, just as a side, I think you, because I've been, excuse me, I hope this isn't a frustrating interview for people. I have this weird way of talking where like I finish a lot of my own sentences in my head. So I'll just be like stopping saying shit and stuff and like saying saying things that seem to be non sequiturs. Like this probably seems to be a non sequitur, but all this comes from me elaborating that Phil Elvrum came up earlier. And I don't know if like I ever spoke about that too much, but I'm a big, I'm a huge, huge, huge uh, Phil Elvrum fan. Yeah. Same with us. Yeah. Yeah. Same with us. Yeah. I love him so much. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Same with us. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. He's like, it would be him and Lou Reed are probably up there with my favorite lyricists. Him and Lou Reed would be like up there with my yeah, favorite. Yeah, that's lyricists. cool. That's what's up. Um, I think Phil Elver. I mean, that's definitely like that issue, though. Too, I think you know, like um. Well, you know, you could when you start putting like different spins or like a race lens on different things. Phil Elvrum, like, is, like, a part of a certain lineage, I think, that, like, you know, like, the way that he expresses, like, his version of wisdom and his version of mysticism, it's something that's so beautiful to me. But then, you know, at some point when you start thinking about it, it becomes a little disturbing because, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a tendency towards a kind of righteousness and maybe not necessarily from him. Maybe it's more just, like, the way that people look up to it. But, like, yeah, what maybe some of that information is not going to be so helpful if you're just, like, a black girl growing up in Brooklyn, you know? <laughs> and so we start to get into yeah. those, that weirder territory where, you know, it's talking about like, he got to the top of Mount Erie and like, you know, his ego shed and stuff like that. But it's also just like him talking about like some girl or something. And then, yeah, like it's this really elaborate thing that gets to be celebrated and stuff like that. But then it's also like a million miles removed from like other people's experiences. And then it becomes a little, complex in that way that's just like a i think like because like all his work is very sad and does in, in like very deep and kind of like mental mental health kind of topics and like breakups and stuff like that and um like you didn't babic did you show jackson uh, yeah I, I was on the show or, to yeah. yeah 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 like and like uh, back again if Jay, about Jake's video if he wouldn't if I wouldn't have seen that I'd probably if it weren't for you I probably wouldn't be doing this interview either yeah it's all it's all yeah. intertwined it's all so, connected yeah 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 it's all connected to battle okay. so, yeah. well if, if we want to go even back further we can talk about who showed me super flat um I have this friend who goes by the online alias of cat with like a k and two t's um they're in a band called six impala which was one of my gateways into music. Like I found out about the band. I thought it was awesome. I joined their discord server and that sort of like led into me getting into music as a whole. Um, but there was one day where they just like kind of sent me super fly and they said, Hey, this is sick. You should check it out. And then I did. And I loved it. I'm like, Oh wow, this is crazy. I don't know how they found out about super flat, but um, yeah, if you want to go back even further, it goes to them. Is that underscores group? Yeah. 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 Uh, underscores is how I found six and Paula. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure we only have like three questions left and they're all kind of shit. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's, let's yeah. do it. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. So it was just, um, you did a, you, didn't you, um, obviously you did the clapping song with, oh, I forget their name, but um, 
coming like collaborators. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You collaborated with um some other musicians. I forget um I forget that album, but it was on Stones Throw Records, but you were on that album. It came out in twenty fourteen, I think. Yeah, Quakers. Yeah, I did that like so I was like eighteen. Um not like in twenty I wasn't eighteen in twenty fourteen, but um I remember, the, the Quaker self titled. Yeah, Quaker self titled was in twenty twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I recorded those. I recorded those tracks when I was in high school. Yeah, and that's when the Lars demos came out, didn't it? Wasn't your first project? Yeah. Yeah. The Lars demo. Yeah. Um, I was actually listening back to that at the Idiotech cover as well. Nice. On there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, but um, are you looking to focus on collaborating with new musicians again? Because you were on Material Girls' last album. Um, well. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. You know, how, like, how did that have to be? And I've always wondered because, like, I like I knew about you before I learned about Material Girl, and then I learned about Material Girl through some singles, and I thought, oh, this is a pretty interesting artist. Let's check him out. And then I saw your name on the feature. I'm like, how, how did that crossover happen? That was like the last thing I expected. Oh, that was dope. Yeah, no, Material Girl, uh, they reached out to me. Just just with email and said that you know they're interested they they like my music and they're interested if uh, I was interested in collaborating and I was like uh, I was like yeah I think I I tried to charge them because uh, that, that was a period of time where I was sort of like uh, interested in seeing if I could do that but it's it's not nothing I'm really actually interested in like charging charging yeah, you were just like could I you were just thinking if you could theoretically get money for a <laughs> yeah yeah and that's something I guess you know like that's its own world and you gotta like uh navigate that CLK wasn't about that um at all so like sometimes people have reached out and um I've just been happy to to like you know do a feature um but yeah material girl that was that was like a cool a cool thing that rap was actually like really um truncated from its like original form um it's just an interesting side yeah were you the one that like wrote that verse like did you also with production did you just rap like what exactly was your contribution to the track i wrote a long verse and material girl um took it and and put it inside of the track and then sort of kept building around it like material girl just took like a small portion of it that was basically like the section that i was on and like sort of looped it and then i just wrote about a, uh, a lot of stuff to it and then then she took it or uh, they uh, material they, <laughs> she, uh, material girl took it and uh and did did their thing and um so yeah so that yeah that, that was a cool thing they asked yeah they um but anyway anyway yeah yeah i think uh i think we have just two questions left i think it's just one short one and one really long one and i was trying to saving this for the outro as well because i'm very interested in it but uh the second last question of this great interview we're doing is um is it great? i think you uh, yeah I, I don't know i mean like uh it it's good? up to the listener <laughs> it's up to the listener it's up to the listener yeah. i think it's going well yeah i think it's going great um like, um, I think you addressed this in another interview you did, but uh, do you have any favorite projects out of the ones you made? Or Yeah, um, To Air is Human is something that I feel a really deep connection with. Um, from Come Look With Me. Uh, Metamorph 
one of my favorites as well by you. Mm. And I think like with Coin Locker Kit, um, and you know these things change. I guess they can change over time. But with a uh, Coin Locker Kit, um, the holy is really, 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 really important to me. It's um in the sense of I guess that's my favorite because it's it's that's the one where I felt the most sense of peace and contentment. That's the one I think where I was best able to sort of express like something bigger than myself. Well, well yeah, I mean like you're to me, to me, to me your whole discography is just amazing. Like I, I know, I know we're doing an interview, and I know it sounds like I'm being very biased, but like genuinely, my, from my personal enjoyment and my experience with music, your music means. Oh, thank you. You know, be be biased. I don't understand. I, I feel upset about like the the need to be like. Well, I, I, I'm I'm going to be critical. I'm a neutral party. You know, it's like this is a this is a six point a six point oh five out of ten because. All of these things are are flaws. Nothing is perfect. It's really important. If I say that something is a ten out of ten, then that's that that's a flaw because I am a robot. I am Craig, the bot. Craig, the recording bot, uses a hundred point scale. Ah, nice, nice. So yeah, yeah I mean, I Craig think... gives it. Craig gives this interview a seventy nine out of a hundred. Nice, really? Does it like? Are you reading? I, I have no idea. Craig's just being smug in the corner, probably. I don't actually know. Well, it makes it makes sense to me, like as a sport, but I don't know, like how good it makes you feel at the end of the day, knowing that you like successfully put everything into some kind of like box, and then I mean, because you you stop yourself from being able to grow if you like have a different. So like, yeah, you give something like, um, well, I'm just, this is all just about biases or whatever, but it's like, um, like, cause I'm like, maybe there's nothing wrong with just being like, I really love this work. It's great. I love it all, you know, like flaws and all, because yeah, it's like, I give something a, a seven out of 10 or whatever. I get into a fucking car crash. I lose my fucking legs. And then I have a much different, uh, perception about like whatever that project was. But am I just too mm-hmm. prideful to go back and change my numerical score? Like who I am and what I am is set in stone. It's never going to change. I am a robot. Yeah, I I used to use a 10 points because like obviously I have a radio music account because I think like ignoring like maybe some of the more troublesome community aspects of it. It is a really great tool for like finding new music and stuff like that. Um, but one of my friends introduced me to the concept of a three point rating scale. Um, where a three out of three means you like it, a two out of three means you're indifferent, and a one out of three means you dislike it. Those are the only three scores you can give on the scale. And I've been using it for a while now, and I love it because it actually forces me. It forces me to have like a verbal opinion about music, other than just being able to say, "Oh, it was okay. I gave it a six out of ten. Because that, at the end of the day, that feels kind of lame. It feels like you're not actually talking about the music, you know? This way, I actually force myself to express concrete opinions. That's cool. Do you mind if I add on that? Because I always find it weird, especially like sites like Pitchwork. They're like, oh yeah, this is a 6.7586 out of 10. Well, that one makes more sense because um, that's like aggregated scores from all of its writers. So whenever you're like combining scores and finding an average, that's when like decimals start to make sense. But like, if I myself, like, by, like with no other input, gave... Uh, super flat, a uh, 9.6 out of 10. Like, that just feels weird. Like, because I feel like there is no distinction between like a 9.6 and a 9.5 that means anything other than like one is higher than the other. And I feel like if your scale 
if I can't tell the difference between like different points in your scale, like I can't tell the difference between nine point four, five, and six, it like loses all purpose in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like I'm talking individually. If someone is like after hearing it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a five point seven six eight yeah, no, point seven for out of ten. I'm like, what? <laughs> Just, just say I it's did, a five. I did once see, unironically, use a 10,000 point scale, and I wanted to block them right then and there. I hated it so much. Whoa. Whoa. But our last question. Um, Uh-oh. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, is, um, you, I think you said this on your Twitter, but you have a new album coming out as uh, Mio Myro. Uh, sorry, I couldn't. You Mio. might just call it Mio. Well, Mio. Mio. I'm just going like, to call it Mio. I, like, look, obviously the acronym is mom m-o-m that's not lost on me um but like i like like that's 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 on purpose uh also ama is uh that's the acronym i'm actually particularly interested in taking on it's at the very end of mio Mirirama, but i call it mio and like all these nicknames are important. Oh, yeah. I'll just so, call it Mio. So if you don't, how, how does that sound? Mio's pretty cool, right? Mio. Yeah, Mio sounds cool. Yeah, Mio. It kind of sounds like almost like Neo from the Matrix. Hell yeah! It sounds kind of similar to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. coming with a vengeance, baby, straight into the fucking metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Super Flat's the Matrix. <laughs> all those plot. Say the keys, the Matrix. See, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the Matrix. nice, nice. Yeah. See, like he's the Matrix, Coinlocker Kid is dead. Interesting. That's the thing. I yeah, you, I can't is. escape. I can't <laughs> escape Coinlocker Kid, huh? I'm just always going to be Coinlocker Kid. Well, I don't know. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. But yeah, yeah. So I do. I'm working on a new album. Like, you've, uh, the, the SoundCloud is. Uh, they're just. They're, that, that's, I feel like the SoundCloud songs if you're aware of that that's almost like its own album in itself it's basically just illustrating a transition though so like i'm um none of those songs are gonna be like on the album or whatever and i saw yeah they're just like littered all over the the rate your music like and with like two three ratings and stuff it's really uh embarrassing looking but like uh as singles but like uh but, uh-huh. but yeah so like did it, uh, sorry, a lot of sirens in Chapel Hill at the moment, but um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm working on a new, on a new album. I've given myself completely to the digital audio workstation. Uh, yeah, you yeah, Logic you're using Pro Logic X. Now. So that's so yeah. All those songs are more indicative of me like struggling to like let go of my more archaic ways of needing all this like physical equipment and stuff, but I've done it more completely. And I feel like it, the sound is a lot is actually, it's going to be something like really fresh and really, really different for me. And like I said, I'm designing it with the intention of performing it live. So, yeah, but I can't wait. Will it be out this year? Or? I don't know. I guess I'm going to, I guess I'll work on that, but you know, I'm in a weird place too right now. I don't even know because like, you know, I was I always think in terms of making albums, but now that I'm interested in trying to like perform and everything and sort of changing the way that like I'm conceptualizing these things. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so maybe if I put more focus there. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I I, I don't know, but maybe. Okay, and I guess as sort of a tie in question off of what you said, whenever you were creating 
albums, whether it be under Coinlocker, Kid Say Lucky, etc. Did you always conceptualize them as full albums? Like, what was the general process of making an album for you? Did you like write the entire thing, then produce it, a little bit of everything all at once, or they're all uh, done mostly linear, like um, okay. like the way that you hear them and stuff, and is like the way that like I tend to have written them. And it, it is like, yeah, it's like a story, you know, I'm like, I'm, it's each of these things to me, I just see them all as rituals, you know, like they're all like independent acts of shamanism that requires like me reaching into myself or going into my own psychosphere in order to like uncover the meaning that the abstract a- aspect of myself is, is trying to express, you know, that my conscious mm-hmm. ego isn't necessarily aware of. So each of these projects, like, you know, somebody's going to say that that sounds pretentious or maybe, you know, I'm unnecessarily narcissistic or indulgent, but yeah, that's what they are. They're like, they're deep dives into like another sort of plane of, of reality to uncover this thing. And like, it's a, it's a documentation of that. So that's, that's what I, that's how I conceptualize all these things. Um, okay. Also, you started doing uh, YouTube as well. Uh, you put up a video on Movie Test. And I actually found the filming that very unique because it was all made on your phone. And then you recorded it, put it back into the thing. And then you recorded yourself editing it yeah. as well. I found that really funny. Will there be more YouTube stuff? Or... Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested in like trying to make actual music videos and stuff. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because I think one of your friends put up a thing. It was, it was just the video was just called Say La Key and it was uh, the song off Metamorph. Uh, Simon made a Say La Key yeah, video that's Say La Key. And um, yeah, yeah, that was, that's more like a kind of like, it's his own expression that's more of like a, uh, it's kind of like his own version of Metamorph in like a, a small form. It's actually like a, and I'll say this quick, it's actually kind of like a meta joke. I think he he start he says that he's gonna make his own pretentious art project inside of Metamorph, and so like that video is is kind of that thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> that makes sense because he sends you like a check. It was like I forgot what exactly what he said, but here's the check for Mister <laughs> Douchebag Dickhead, and you go out, and you go off to LA uh, after that. But I won't spoil the rest of uh, Metamorph. The listeners haven't heard it if they want to hear it themselves. I highly recommend mm-hmm. you go check out Metamorph. It's really good. And also, like, kind of like Tom York's r- inclusion in Superfan as well. You get Cardi B in, which <laughs> oh, I just yeah. found, like, yeah, so what which do I you, found genius. Yeah. What do you think about, look, so I'll just go ahead and say, like, with that, I've seen things or read some things that people talk about, like, laughing. or I mean, obviously, like, you know, everything I do, I'm trying to, like, have a little bit of, like, uh, humor and stuff. But, you know, I was dead ass serious about that, like that interaction and stuff. It's just that's this that I want that. That's an example, I think, of people having this relationship where like they want to like laugh and like ridicule, especially in the case of being like a woman or a woman of color. Like. Like I'm, I was just I was just trying to illustrate that, like, you know, like. But I wasn't laughing at that necessarily. I was just laughing that um like. Uh, the person who made WAP is in a Sailor Key project talking about something really serious. It just it took yeah. you back a little bit. Like when you heard the Cardi B inclusion, you were like, this is not what I was yeah, expecting to happen. Much, it wasn't what I was uh, expecting. Oh, nice. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to, I wasn't accusing 
I wasn't trying to accuse you of like belittling it. I've just, I've just seen people have that reaction towards it. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to, yeah. cause, but yeah, and it is, it's a direct, it is a meta, it, like, like meta, metamorph has a lot of uh, conscious super flat parallels. So like, yeah, that, you know, so yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah. So in super flat, Devin was having this conflict with like himself as coin locker kid, but in metamorph, it's not about coin locker kid. It's about say like itself. Mm-hmm. So it's even more meta. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the connection. Cause come look at me. me yeah. Like, my, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So, Cause you were saying, yeah. But, um, again, like, um, fuck it. I'm just going to ask one more last question. Um, like you kind of addressed it in Metamorph as well, but like you, Ray music always tags your stuff as like, oh, experimental hip hop, or just like plain experimental, like just radio the word experimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> radio drama in particular. What do you think of just people just calling these things these sorts of? Well, I mean, we did talk about genre and stuff, but what do you think of like people going like, oh yeah, this is a the best radio drama ever? When necessarily it's not radio drama. Do you don't you don't hear. I don't hear Man- Man- Manamorph or Super Flat or P and Bry getting played <laughs> on the radio. So I'm like, if only though, is it radio drama? Only Super Flat played on my it, local radio. Yeah. Well, I played I played uh, the ways on the radio, but um. So, yeah. uh, radio so, music yeah. did that. And that's yeah. what, you know radio drama and like the yeah. self reflexive thing about like um that showing up in Metamorph and stuff is like you know like the big apocalyptic showdown the COK happens. That's all connected to like, you know, like, I don't know what a radio drama is, but well, I do. I do. I do know what a radio. Dra- I, I talk about this on Metamorph. Like, <laughs> but, yeah. Like when you're talking about radio music, you talk about like the genres a little bit. Yeah. 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 So that's like a part of Metamorph. And yeah, so people, um, people need to have a name for, I guess, whatever. Mm-hmm. And just just so you're aware, um, Metamorph is currently the third highest rated radio drama on Rate Your Music right now. Really? Um, what does that yeah. mean? Uh, that means like you know it collects all of the user ratings for any album that has been assigned the primary genre of radio drama. Uh, there are two albums that are higher rated than yours right now according to the algorithm. Uh, but yours is number three. What did it? You may. What is uh, it? The other, number one is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy primary phase, which yes! yeah, I am I don't honored. Know this I'm is. so honored. You know, <laughs> Sam and Adele is named after a Douglas Adams, well, a posthumously published uh, Douglas Adams book. Oh, okay, yeah. interesting. Hitchhiker's Guide is a oh, huge, yeah. huge influence oh, yeah, yeah. on me, man. Like uh, everything, even yeah, that's, that's one of the only two that's got you beat right now. So yeah, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, and what's the other one? Uh, New Hope for the Ape-Eared by Sharpling and Worcester. I'll send the link. That's it's, the dopest damn, sounding thing I've, I've well, ever heard in my fucking life. That must be a masterpiece. You can't be calling it. it it's higher rated than Metamorph. It has to be a masterpiece. Where's Superflut? Uh, I'd be here. Let me see. I'm so happy that Metamorph is higher than Superflat. Oh, but no, the only reason it is oh, is because... Superflat is number 14 right now. I think it's because, like, you know, the algorithm determines how high it should be based on, like, the number of ratings versus... Right, and there's way um, like, more actual, super flat. Yeah, so Metamorph is currently 3.87, but only about 200 ratings, whereas Superflat is a 3.62 with, like, 1.3k ratings. So, 
Yeah, the algorithm thinks that the number is a lot higher, but like a lot more valuable. <laughs> nice. That's crazy, man. That's insanity. Yeah. Well, Devin and Babic, thanks so much for coming on, especially like just the honor to be doing this interview, especially with you and stuff and taking the time to do this as well. Um, like, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. What a, yeah, and for being, and being the it. first ever guest on the podcast as well. And for Babic being the first ever guest interviewer as well. That's my, oh, yeah. I guess I'm a guest interviewer for now. Yeah. So yeah, th- this is, this is my honor. Uh, you guys are a great team and please, uh, please keep it up. Um, you know, this is, uh, oh, yeah. And you too, man. I want to, I can't wait to hear the new, uh, Mio, um, the new Mio album whenever it's out. The new mom album. Yeah, the new mom album. <laughs> See, yeah. Now, the thing about mom, I actually got really fucked up about that because I know uh, that person from Black Dresses. You know who I'm talking about? Wait, like, yeah, Ada Rook, or I forget the name of the other person, but um, she has um, like Dev. I think, like, I think like her name's actually like Dev or something. I I forget for some reason, but that's oh, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of her Debbie. aliases is mom. And uh, oh, I see it here. Yeah, okay. like the universe told me that this needed to be called Mio Miriorama, and so I didn't have any other choice, and I was a little bit nervous. That's but that's one of the reasons I've been avoiding like uh, insisting on that acronym because I was worried about uh, <laughs> well. Thanks so much. I, th- I think I think that's a wrap. <sighs> that's yeah. a wrap. Yeah. yeah. Thank Craig, you. Craig's been working hard for a while now. We should give him a break. All right. Thank you, thank you guys. And, <laughs> no uh, and And bye-bye. Yeah, see ya. Thanks bye for bye. coming on. That was the first ever episode. Thanks for coming on and giving a listen. And uh, stay safe and I hope you enjoy.